there are people doing amazing things. There are people doing less amazing and even harmful things. But there's a reason for that, which means we can change that. But that starts with changing my own mind, changing the minds of the people I know and the people I'm connected with. All action, all change, all anything starts in our our minds first, right? Starts with a thought. You're listening to We're All All Right, the show that explores all the reasons we have to be hopeful, even joyful about humanity and about our world today, despite what we see in the headlines. I'm your host, Phyllis Wilson. This episode, we're shaking things up. I invited my producer, Sean McMullen, to have a conversation about my story, why I started this podcast, and why I'm so passionate about continuing it. Reflecting on our conversation, one thing in particular stands out. This perspective that I have, that we're all, each of us, doing the best we can, that there is, in fact, reason, many, many infinite reasons to be hopeful about our world and joyful about this human experience, that it's empowering both for ourselves and for others when we're willing to open ourselves, open our hearts to vastly different opinions and perspectives and experiences. This perspective is, to put it mildly, a practice. A practice I need to remind myself of daily, even moment by moment, especially in the presence of people with whom I really, really disagree. I think I've mentioned my rage in another episode, right? Yeah, it's still there. My point in sharing this is this. This isn't easy. I know. I know from experience, and I know from practice, day in and day out. As perfect as I like to believe I am, ha ha ha, I'm not, not by a long shot. But I'm practicing. Maybe you will, or maybe you do, too. Hey, Phyllis. How you doing? I'm awesome. How are you? I'm okay. The world feels a little heavy, you know, as it often does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But that's why we're doing this. That's why we're here producing this show. That's why we're having this conversation. I think that you and I are both very, very similar and in so many ways. I'm an optimist, and I will always say that I am an optimist. And maintaining that optimism has been really, really hard of late. Yeah. And it's hard to see what's going right in the world and to maintain that hope. So... What I'm hoping to do today is have a conversation with you about this feeling of hopelessness, this feeling of hopelessness about the state of the world. And I want to hear why you have hope and why you've decided to do this podcast and explore the, all of the reasons in this world that we have reason to have hope and reasons to think, yes, we are actually all right, all of us. It's just interesting to me that you've made the choice to focus your attention on hope. Would you say that there was a moment in the last two years where you realized that something needed to change for you personally and that you needed to take a different stance on the world and actually start focusing on hope? So 
the last couple years, the last four years, really five, actually, five years have been, have seen this divisiveness growing and growing and growing and growing. And I think that sometime over the last couple years, but more like maybe a year ago now, it almost hit this point for me where it felt like, okay, there is no, maybe no coming back together. There is no possibility of agreement without something massively changing. And realizing that, I thought, well, I'm not going to just spend the next, you know, however many more years I've got left on the planet in that space. I'm not going to, I'm not going to live another 50 years um, miserable, shutting the world out because what other choice do we have? If we're, we collectively are never coming together again, which is what it felt like, then what was the point? And so I would, you know, staring down 50 plus years of that's, I've decided I'm living to over a hundred. So <laughs> I can totally see that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was staring down 50 plus years of what? N- nothing? Misery? Just getting by? But then I, I, I kind of started to see, well, there, there actually is a way. There is a way to come back together again it's really just a perspective. It's really just starts with, okay, what if, you know, the the other side, because again, we're sides right now, we're sides, we're factions. What if the other side or sides aren't totally bad, aren't like evil to the core? What if there's something in them that I can relate to. And that that's when this, you know, they're just doing the best they can. If I can start to change my mind, maybe people around me and share this perspective with them through this podcast and in other ways, maybe I can do something about it. Maybe it's possible to come together again. Maybe we're not forever divided it's not even necessarily about coming together again. It's more about creating the change that we all want to see happening in the world, but we can't do it when we're, when we're so divided and so blaming and, and um, feeling like we're at the mercy of another side or another opinion or another. Yeah. Yeah. It's like we're focusing on our differences instead of focusing on our commonalities. And you're proposing yeah. that we look go looking for those commonalities and build foundation based upon those so that the – is that kind of what I hear you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. So that when we do encounter those differences, we, not, we not, might not want to be best friends, <laughs> but we're not going to want to kill each other. We might actually want to work together. We might actually – find something that a commonality that inspires us to okay we we actually both want the same thing we're, we're talking about it in completely different ways but oh in fact we want the same thing so let's focus on that and the other part of this is 
it was for me, and then I think for all of us, is remembering that looking for the commonalities, looking for the good, looking for that is, is powerful. And it's empowering rather than dividing. It's empowering for another person to, for me to say to another person or another group of people, or to have the thought, you know what? They're not all bad. You know what? They're trying their best. You know what? They have a good point right there. You know what? I kind of agree with that. I mean, that's empowering to them and it's empowering to me. It makes me remember that, oh yeah, I have power here. I think there's so much power in taking that first step, extending a hand of friendship first, because I think that all of us have become so defensive and so guarded. Yeah. And not everyone has it in them to take that first step, but once someone else does so, I I like to believe this is my optimism mm-hmm. that if when they meet somebody who has taken that first step that is kind and open and even if they look different or think differently, that they're more willing to listen. Absolutely. Yeah. That's interesting. It almost sounds like your entire posture and position, this podcast and changes you've made over the last year, particularly, have been kind of taking that first step. Yep. 100%. I love it. That's awesome. (laughs) So with the podcast, then, if that is your posture, can you tell us a little bit about what your intentions are? Really, the, the master plan here is to remind people of how powerful we all are and how powerful a simple it's simple, maybe not easy, but simple change in perspective, how powerful that is. Because the change in perspective, even even just the little cracking open of our heart to say, okay, people are doing good things in the world. People who are doing not so great things in the world have a reason for that. And those reasons are probably boil down to lack of understanding, lack of knowledge, not necessarily, uh, what's the word, Um, like intentional ignorance, but ignorance just the same, ignorance of, of the impact that they're having. So if we can come from that place of, okay, there are people doing amazing things, there are people doing less amazing and even harmful things, but there's a reason for that, which means we can change that. But that starts with changing my own mind, changing the minds of the people I know and the people I'm connected with. All action, all change, all anything starts in the starts in our, our minds first, right? Starts with a thought. But man, when you see somebody who's doing something that you think is harmful, that is such a challenging thing to not shut them out, to not get angry. I don't know how to do that. Yeah. Anger isn't a bad thing. Anger is transformative. Anger actually leads to clarity. When we become aware of it, oh, I'm angry. I'm really angry about this. Okay, what can I do right now that would help the situation? The answer to that is 
pretty much never going to be scream and yell at somebody and tell them how awful they are. (laughs) Right. But yet, if we took a moment, if we weren't doing that, if we weren't in that kind of like super reactive state, we can realize that anger is, it, it can, it's a signal. It's a signal like, oh, I, I feel something about this. Well, if you feel something about this, that means that there's something I can do about it. Maybe what I'm about to say is, <laughs> I have my own thoughts on it, but, um, you know, maybe it's as simple as like, call or email your state representative or your, (laughs) does that do a whole lot? I'm not sure. But what if it's the best thing you can do in that very moment? What if it's like one thing that, that feels like, well, maybe this will help. And you just did it. Maybe that would lead to another thought of like, well, that maybe didn't work. Maybe that was useless. What else could I do? What else could I try? If instead we kind of sit with the, stay with the anger and say, well, it's all, it's their fault. They built this thing wrong to begin with. This, um, our systems are, are beyond repair. And the people who did, who built them were wrong and bad and terrible. And the people who are upholding them are wrong and bad and terrible. And so I'm just going to sit here and scream about it. <laughs> If instead we say, okay, they probably had their reasons for why they did that. And what if I thought, well, they did the best they could at the, at the time. What that means is that ultimately I can be one of those people who builds a new thing. And in fact, we could let that old structure, that old system fall away if we weren't holding on to the anger about the broken system, we could in fact let that fall away and say, okay, let's build something new. Yeah. There's a few things you said there that I want to, that are, they've got my synapses firing. But one thing that you, that I definitely want to bring you around to is a story that you've told many, many, many times to me. And I'd like you to tell it again here, which is the story about your father it's always seemed to me that it's sort of, in a lot of ways, an origin story of your optimism. Tell me that story. Tell me about your father and his influence on where you are right now. Yeah. So my father was a mechanic, and he was loved, beloved um, by his customers. I never knew until I became an adult and then actually when my father retired and moved away or moved too far away (laughs) for him to work on my car or direct somebody else to work on my car, I didn't know that mechanics had a reputation for being kind of swindlers. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) Because my dad was like the most honest person on the planet and um and his customers loved him and what that meant was he was also um connected with a lot of people uh he had lots and lots of customers so of course there are going to be angry people <laughs> and of course there are going to be um unsatisfied people and people who who take advantage and and being a, a person of um a person who was so kind and was so generous 
people did take advantage. That wasn't his whole story, but yes, it happened. But any time that anybody, I mean, including him, would tell a story about, oh, this guy came in and, you know, X, Y, Z, and he would then follow it with like, kind of wrap up the story with like, ah, he's doing the best he can. Ah, he's doing the best he can. I'm trying to do his Boston accent, which (laughs) I'd ask him about, about something that was happening in my life. And it was that same kind of like, yeah, you know, I hear you and that's really hard. And, you know, they're doing the best they can. And it wasn't as a way to stop the conversation. It wasn't that. It was more just like he had this belief in people. He had this like way of feeling like people aren't all bad. People have bad days. People have bad, you know, decades. <laughs> but as as I got older, I kind of, the deeper layers of it started to really sink in. And it was this idea that if really everybody was doing the best they can, it simply means or simply means that they're doing the best with the information and and the the resources and the knowledge, et cetera, that they had at the time. If I can adopt this as like a way of perceiving the world. Perception, sure. Yeah. What if everybody's doing the best they can? Literally, always. There's kind of no process to forgiveness. You know, it's it's kind of an instantaneous forgiveness. And then it's an instantaneous, like, I can understand why, you know, you saw things that way and therefore did the took the actions you took. I forgive you. And this all happens in, in like a millisecond, right? Mm-hmm. I forgive you. And what can we do now to to do better? I think my my dad wished that he um could have done more with his life and at the same time the the way i see him and his life is that he did he you know he so deeply touched so many people and um and i'm carrying that forward and doing that you know right now i love that story i'm glad that you were able to like i've never actually heard the full explanation like that what i hear a lot of is the words that you used forgiveness and i also mm-hmm. think of the word empathy and mm-hmm. that 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 was a, such a part of his nature that yeah. he didn't think he, he didn't even think twice about it he had just it's not like now i'm going to put on my forgiveness hat that was just him you say that he was really loved and there were all these like as a mechanic he'd have these customers and he was he, they just meant so much to him mm-hmm. he meant so much to them it sounds like we were talking earlier about being that first that person who takes that first step and makes the room Mm-hmm. people felt safe with him. Yeah. And I'm sure he was imperfect in so many other ways. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, when you tell your stories about your dad, he reminds me a lot of my grandfather. Very, very similar. And, you know, he always had his little witticisms that he always said. And he was somebody we would go all over town looking for 
one random screw that, you know, had to go to like three or four different hardware stores. And he was taken advantage of regularly. Mm. But because he was just so open and trusting and he wore, he was just so caring. And the people who took, who didn't take advantage of him and loved him, I mean, he was a very, very much loved man. And yeah. he did it, and he did it quietly. Yeah. And it was just his nature. I like to think that I have that and mm-hmm. yeah. that there's my um, willingness to be out here in the world trying to do big things, I think puts me in a position where I so much more easily get triggered. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, I... um I don't as quickly um, forgive. I, mm. I'm I'm imperfect at this. I have a big heart, and and I can get really angry about harmful things um, or people being harmed. Yeah, that's still there. Hey, while I have you, I wanted to tell you more about that thing I do when I'm not podcasting, and that is coaching. All this curiosity and joy you hear me bring to this podcast, that's me bringing all of myself to everything that I do and discovering more about myself every step of the way. And that's exactly what I do when I'm coaching my clients. If you're an experienced coach, trainer, or consultant who wants to bring more of yourself to the work you do, expand your skill and capacity to serve much higher level clients, and create the kind of time freedom that allows you to pursue everything you're passionate about and become more and more of you, I'd love for you to contact me. Head on over to phyllis.wilson.pw and click on Talk to Phyllis. So this this sort of leads me to uh, another question that I wanted to ask you about. Another thing that I can really relate to with you is this real tendency to retreat from the world not to assume too much but to tell you where i come from is i have a tendency to hide when things get really hard you know i have a tendency to turn off the news when facebook went down the other day i had no idea <laughs> i'm kind yeah. of proud of that actually but you know yeah <laughs> and i know that that's not always very healthy you know i i think that sometimes the Sure, having boundaries is good and saying I need to take care of myself and protect myself so that when I do go out into the world, I have the energy for it. And I'm more likely to have that forgiveness and that empathy when I'm not constantly exhausted Mm -hmm. by the world. But I have a very specific question to ask you. So in these tendencies, when we when the world just feels so overwhelmed, overwhelming, and there might be a tendency to retreat from the world, what do you personally do to pull yourself back out of that? Is there anything you do with intention that says, okay, Phyllis, pull it together? Yeah. And I'm right there with you. I'm really imperfect at this. <laughs> I intentionally leave my house and go into the world, especially when I'm feeling really low, without like really engaging deeply or connecting 
significantly with other people. So as much as the masks are really uncomfortable for me and like, I kind of hate them. I I do hate them. However, for this, it's kind of helpful Mm -hmm. um, because it's almost this way of like, it almost feels like a bubble. So I will go out and I'll run like a quick errand or I'll go grocery shopping. Even if I don't really need to go grocery shopping, I like, I'll go and like wander around the store and pick up a few things just and and I will smile or use my eyes to (laughs) smile at everybody. I'll make eye contact just with, and just give a smile and, and other people's the, the awareness that, yeah, the world is actually big and awesome and people there they are being human and it's almost like the smile is like a great job being human today <laughs> person i don't know <laughs> yeah <laughs> and that even not talking to people going walking and you know where people might be so that i could see them and maybe you know flash a smile across the street even that um but that's what i do tell me if you can relate to this that this tendency to isolate, this tendency to retreat can be dangerous because then we can start becoming even more, how do I put this, entrenched in a way in our fear and our separation and our distances and our differences. And I think sometimes it's necessary to get out and be with people so we can remind remind each other what our common humanity is. Yeah. Is that, am I close there? Yeah, absolutely. The the more isolated we are, the more, yes, entrenched in, in the limited perceptions and perspectives, better word, perspectives that we, that we have adopted. Sometimes when I do like what we were just talking about, just going out and trying to like, trying to find some common humanity and someone to be around and trying to like actively find optimism and actively I mean I hope that I hope that using the word optimism is accurate sure yeah um sometimes I get pushback from people like I'm putting on rose rose colored glasses mm-hmm. that I'm ignoring the reality I like to think that I'm focusing on a different reality not a different reality another part of reality there is one reality I just want to say that <laughs> For the record. I just want to go on record. <laughs> there is reality and facts, and there is only one version of that. So, <laughs> meh. <laughs> but sometimes yeah. I get pushed back that I'm, that I'm put, you know, being overly optimistic in a world that doesn't deserve optimism. Do you know, uh, what is it, Emma Goldman, the anarchist writer? Mm-hmm. She, uh, she one of my favorite quotes is it something to the effect i'm mangling this if i can't dance at the revolution i don't want to be part of your revolution yeah, yeah. and i've always loved that then in the middle of all the change that we want to bring into the world we also have to take care of ourselves and dance I have a lot. There's so much in there to respond to. I'm going to try to remember. Um, but 
I keep coming back to this, in fact. How does it serve you, me, to be angry and blamey and defeated, hopeless? How does that actually help you? Doesn't it make it worse? How does it serve you to feel that way, to be hopeless? And so it, it does, the answer is it doesn't. There's no, there's no, there's no way, you know, there's no way to say that, that being angry and, and hopeless and isolating and uh, all those things um, is, is helping you. So, so it's not helping anybody else either. When we ask ourselves that question, like how is being an angry a-hole like helping me right now? When we actually find an answer to that question, what we'll realize is that the answer is connected to how we can serve other people, how we can actually help one another. It's connected to the fact that we're all human and a reminder that that that's true. I love how you just brought it. You just brought things full circle back to we're all doing, we're all doing the best that we can. Yeah. So Phyllis, I think we're kind of running out of time here, but as everyone knows, because you've listened to all of Phyllis's other episodes that we like to uh, end every episode with some, resources, some shout outs, some, this is an example of someone doing something right in the world. Do you want me to start Phyllis or do you want to start? You can start. I want to hear what you think is right in the world and yeah, what we can celebrate here. Yeah. I only bring this man up because I mean, there are so many people that I could list, but I wanted to um, shout outs to somebody who is bringing me significant amount of joy and inspiration into my life and i know that he is also bringing significant amount of joy to other people's lives and his name is stephen west and he has a company called west knits he is a knitting designer so in case ever i mean no one knows this i'm i'm a knitter and stephen is a designer he's a dancer i know he lives in amsterdam uh, expatriate. He lives, I think he's from the Midwest and the, uh, the States somewhere. And he, um, he has a brick and mortar yarn store. He has his own yarn company and he is for lack of a better word, fabulous. And mm-hmm. he, every year he does a, a mystery knit along where you sign up for this mystery it's a shawl that you knit and you don't know what you're going to be knitting and it's and the um, pattern is put out over a month in four installments and thousands of people all over the world are knitting this thing together and and anyway this is this will be like the third year that i've done it and it starts on friday and i can't even tell you how giddy i am about this there are he has this thing that he says he 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 makes the most wonderful youtube videos about how to knit in his projects and then he does some music he even does music videos and things but he has a few things that he says and even though i identify that this is problematic he says <laughs> don't stress just say yes amazing i love it so 
these are in no particular order. One of the first things that came up was I just finished the documentary series on Netflix about the SpaceX inspiration, the four civilians going to space for three days. And I just wept (laughs) with joy (laughs) for the whole thing. It touched me so much. And in particular, the the going to space and seeing, looking back at the earth, like from, you know, as a whole from outer space. I mean, it's just incredible. Um, things like the Innocence Project, which are, I told you it's going to be a hodgepodge, like <laughs> the <laughs> Innocence Project, um, like re-looking at some of these cases of uh, incarceration, um, mm. just absolutely phenomenal work they're doing. My friend John Rasick, uh, who runs an organization called Play 360, and they're transforming education globally um, by building playgrounds and teaching people how to build playgrounds around the world. Amazing organization. Some of my clients who are just ordinary people, so committed to being change makers and courageous enough to do the deep inner work, (laughs) deep inner transformational work. It's hard. Um, Can't forget Dan Levy, who is one of my favorite creators. We've been talking about Dan Levy for months now. His ears must be burning. Um, I think that the the reason in particular that he, as as an artist, as a creator, is inspiring to me is that he has this ability to immediately bring people into this moment of realization that we're all human. And I think that's an absolutely incredible skill. Yeah. I look forward to hearing more of your hodgepodge list in future episodes. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Well, I think that's it, fellas. Thanks for having this conversation with me. Thank you for having this conversation with me. Okay. See you later. A big, big thank you to Sean for hanging out and diving deep. That was such a fantastic conversation. I hope it was enjoyable to listen to as it was for us to have it. And as always, I love to hear from you. You can find me and all episodes of this podcast at phyllis.wilson.pw and on Instagram at allrightpodcast. And if you haven't already, don't forget to hit follow on your favorite podcast player so you don't miss an episode of We're All All Right. <laughs>